test, test. Pablo says we're on, Jimmy. If you would uh, continue to be in Ezra chapter 7, that's where we're going to kind of draw from uh, this morning. This is... uh, this has been a pretty uh, unusual week. Uh, Monday, we were jumping through hoops to get uh, everything ready for Jeannie to have surgery on Tuesday. Uh, we went up early Tuesday morning. We had to be there at uh, 6 o'clock, so we left out pretty early. And uh, they got Jeannie right back. And, oh, uh, she was in, I think the doctor called me after the surgery at 10.33, so... It's amazing what they can do in an hour's time. But uh, we, we were there all day Tuesday. Uh, we were there till Wednesday. We left there about 1 o'clock. So it's been, a, it's been an unusual week of preparation. And then I, I, I get home, and instead of having my quiet place upstairs where I can go and meditate and think, my quiet place has been at the kitchen counter. And uh, Jeannie was pretty thrilled yesterday afternoon when I got all my stuff off the camp, camp, counter and got it got it put up so uh it, it's been it's been uh, it's been different uh you know a lot of things uh going going on this week that could really distract me and so i went to bed last night and i, w- I wasn't settled in my mind exactly how i was going to wrap this series on family worship up but i woke up during the night and uh I, I got a little bit of peace and when i got up this morning i knew that this next week's sunday school lesson was from the book of ezra right well, if you know anything about the book of Ezra, you know about Ezra 7, chapter 10. I mean, if a preacher hadn't preached from Ezra 7, 10, he hasn't preached many messages. And so you're there, and, and look at it again. It says, For Ezra had set his heart. Y'all listen to me, folk. We need some heart setting. And really and truly, only God can do that. Because otherwise, our flesh is going to send our heart here and here and here. So we need God to do a work of setting our hearts towards the things and the purposes that would be benefiting, beneficial to His kingdom. So I, I thought, man, been working on this. We've been talking about family worship. But if God doesn't set our hearts towards studying doing and teaching God's Word in particular to our families won't happen. Amen? So, Ezra had set his heart to study the law of the Lord. He had a purpose. Those first five books of the Bible, he was going to know those books. And look at the next part. Not only to read and study the books of the law, but to do what they said. And only after we have set our hearts to study, only after have we done it, amen, and I think this is one reason that many people won't step out to teach, even in their house, because they've missed the first two steps, especially step two. Study, do. Amen? And then teach. Amen? So, if we haven't studied, if we haven't done, our wives and our kids aren't going to want to hear it. And we know that. So we've got some heart work that needs to be done. eh? Amen? 
to do it and to teach his statutes and his rules in all of Israel. Now look, Ezra had Genesis, Exodus, Leviticus, Numbers, and Deuteronomy. Amen? He had, uh, let, me, let me just show you. He had about this much of the Bible, uh, right? Uh, he had about this much of the Bible, right? This little section right here. Now, I would say that Ezra might have had it memorized. Now, we got the rest of the book, right? So we got a little work to do. But we've got to systematically study God's Word. So we are today looking at the fifth message that it will be a series, and it will be on Sermon Audio, probably on our, our Facebook page, our website. There will be a series of sermons called Family Worship. I preached the first one. Pablo preached the second one. Christian, the young man from Peru, preached the, the uh, third one. Tom preached the fourth one. And, and it is a bang-up good message. They're all bang-up good messages. They're all on our website if you haven't heard them all. And so I'm going to wrap it up today with family worship. Today, I want to look at, in, when it comes to family worship, how did, how, did, how did Ezra set his heart towards studying, doing, and teaching God's Word? Well, you know, I thought about those five senses, those five words that we talk about, who, what, when, where, why, and how. Really, today I kind of want to look at all of those when it comes to family worship. But the main thing I want to look at today is the how part, right? I mean, we've talked about it long enough, right? We've talked about it. We've discussed it. I think we've got most of the tools in place. Matter of fact, there's one primary tool. Right here. Amen. This is what it's all about right here. What was Ezra doing? He was studying this book. He was doing it and he was teaching it. So if we didn't have anything else, amen, we'd have enough right here, wouldn't we? So praise the Lord. So where have we been as a church and where are we at as a church? Well, by the grace of God, giving God all the glory, we have, a, we have been for some time a church that believe, believes and teaches that God's Word is just that. Somebody say amen. This is God's Word. We believe it. We teach that. God's Word. Listen, without error. Y'all hear me? Without error. And I don't care what situation you've got in your life or in your family, God's Word addresses how you're to handle that situation. Don't have to look for any extra biblical material to help you out. It's right there in God's Word. It addresses every life situation. Listen, and God's Word does not change by the latest opinion are the latest whatever that somebody wants to promote. This is unchanging. Did you hear me? And if it applied to Sodom and Gomorrah in their day and time, it applies to America today. We're a church that believes that members should read the Bible. I'm so glad that Tom's not here this morning. He'd be so uncomfortable with this, okay? So if you're here this morning, and for the last 30 years, if you've at least read the Bible through one time, 
all the way through, I want you to stand. One time. Just If you've read it through one time, at least one time, I want you to stand. And somebody say amen. amen. All right, wait a minute. Keep standing. So we teach to read your word, right? And we give you everything you need to do that, right? And how many of you that have done that has not been blessed by it? Man, it, it is a deal. Now, hang on. All right, now, if you've read it, uh, if you've read it, Five times or less, I want you to sit down. All right, that's good. All right, ten times or less, I want you to sit down. Twenty times or less, I want you to sit down. All right, I knew that. We, we've got, and there's a you can sit down, Deanna. We, we've, got, we've got people here that's read God's Word 25 times. Listen, if you've read it once, you have stepped into the elite group of people who call themselves followers of Jesus. Only 3% of the last statistic, and it's not going up any, it's not going up any, 3% of Christians have read God's Word all the way through. Y'all forget Stephanie's testimony, the last, well, the next to the last time she was here. You remember? She, she stood up and she talked about how many times she had started it, but never finished it, but she finished it. Tell me how good she felt about that. Read God's Word. That answers all your questions. Read God's Word. So today we'll continue to move forward where God desires the church to be as a church. Where would He have us to be today? Today, I'm praying that God would give us a desire to set our hearts, not only reading God's Word, studying God's Word, doing God's Word, but look, we are in a drastic time in which our children are begging and so need us to teach them God's Holy Word. Because I can tell you what they're hearing from the world. A bunch of lies. And they need something to filter all this through. That's God's Word. That's what they need. A church that knows that America's main problem is a spiritual problem. We have deserted the God of our ancestors. We have deserted His Word. Some critical factors that played in all of this was a removal, are you ready? An intentional removal of God, praying to God, and God's Word from the public sphere. Do you know that, quote, right now, uh, the powers to be are okay with us worshiping God in here and reading God's Word in here. But listen, it's not long in coming that it will probably be illegal for us to teach our children that this is the Word of God and it's the absolute truth. We're probably moving in that direction. We have removed God from everywhere except the church house. Hmm. You know what else we've done? We have forgotten and purposely dismissed from discussion 
that the family is God's first institution. Amen. And that family is made up of a man and a woman. That man and woman united under God for a purpose to raise godly offspring. And anything outside a man and a woman raising godly offspring, anything outside of that, we've missed God's design. Most of us have missed it in the past. We can be forgiven for that, but once we find out, as Miss Jimmy has told us over and over, once we've found out the right way to do it, we ought to be about doing it. It's one man, one woman forever. Can God forgive us for divorce and remarriage and divorce and remarriage? Absolutely. But we still need to teach God's design. Our kids need to know it's man and woman for eternity. Or till death do us part. The breakup of the family. Deadbeat dads. Absent dads. Did you know there's two kinds of absent dads? There's one that's not there. There's another there. It's kind of like being in church, right? And, and by the way, if you've not embraced God's love for you that's written in red, you need to do that this morning. That's the only thing that will save you. So, so listen to me. You know what? A dad, that's, he's there, but he's got some of, some of I used to go to church. I was there in body, but I was wondering what I could be doing. Amen. Then I got saved. Amen. But you, you know, dads that are sleeping with mama and eating at the table, but he never comes home. He's really out there in the world. That dad's absent. His wife and his kids need him there. Amen. They, he, he needs to be there and he needs to be engaged. So this absent dad has left the family without a rudder. And that rudder is God's Word. God's intent being for families to raise their kids to know the Lord, to love the Lord, and to serve the Lord. Right? Okay, now listen. To know the Lord, we got to know Him. To love the Lord, we've got to know what He's done. And to serve the Lord... We've got to be serving Him. And to teach those three things, we've got to be doing all of those three things ourselves, either as a dad or uh, the, the woman that's in the house that's a spiritual leader because there's no man there. So when that does not intentionally happen, listen carefully, our children are by default taught to love the world. You're either loving God or you love the world. And listen, let me tell you, uh, uh, a seven or eight-year-old are plenty sharp enough to know who daddy loves. All of these societal woes that we have, and I... I started to give you a laundry list of them, but I ran out of paper. And I do use some paper. 
All of these societal woes are just symptoms. Are y'all ready? Symptoms of this. There's very few real followers of Jesus. There's a lot of professors, but there are few followers. A follower of Jesus who sets their heart to study the Word, to do the Word, and to teach the Word. That's what we need. We need more of those type Christians. Amen? You know where it needs to start? Raise your hand. It's kind of like, raise your hand. That's where it needs to start. <clears throat> on October the 13th, I preached on God's intent for parents and grandparents parents and grandparents to disciple their children. You know, I talked about Lois and uh, Eunice. Talked about those two. Talked about Abraham. Talked about some others. It's God's intent for parents and grandparents. Matter of fact, it's God's intent for whoever's in the house with them kids to teach them. That's God's intent. Anybody want to argue that? Anybody want to show me in Scripture it's different than that? Then on October the 20th, Pablo taught that the one leading in the home must be a follower of Jesus living on the narrow path or all that he does is going to be like a clanging cymbal. Then Christian came. And I, uh, I, I, listened, I, I listened to the message. Aren't we glad we can stream things and play it through our, our, our vehicle radio? And Anyway, I'll stream it through and so I'm driving down the road, and, you know, uh, Christian's just the opposite of Vincent, right? Vincent's pedaled down word after word, and, and Christian would say something, and I know y'all are sitting here thinking, what, when are you going to tell us what you're talking about? Well, I'm driving down the road, and my truck's going like this, okay? I'm just waiting for the next word to come out. He spoke about the, the, the head of the house, it could be a man, it could be a mama, it could be a grandma, is also to be the pastor in that house. Great message. And then Tom showed us last week the biblical and historical case for family worship and how that was related to the Reformation. And, and I gave that, that message to several people outside the church and and, and the comment I got back was, you're right, Pastor, that was a good message. And all of them were good. And, and, and if you're struggling with buying into family worship, I just, I, just, I just challenge you with your heart prayed up that God would give you a heart for family worship, for a, a heart for God's Word, a heart for living out God's Word and teaching God's Word. I just challenge you to pray the prayer that God would give you a heart change, and listen to those messages again. They're really good. So today, how do we make it happen? Got three words for you. I, I use this all the time, and, and, and they're, they're so helpful to me. First of all, we've got to, listen, we've got, if, we don't, if we're not doing it, the first thing we've got to do is ask God to give us a desire to do it. I challenge you to pray that prayer. 
Just pray that God would change your heart and give you a desire, either individually, as a couple, or as a family, to do family worship. So, a desire. Oh God, give us the desire, as you gave it to Ezra, to study the Word, to do the Word, to teach the Word in our houses. It's amazing. It just So, so uh, I, I knew where Sunday school was going this week. I know it's about Ezra, and I know it's in chapter 7, but uh, I've got it in my mind. It's got to be in chapter 7, right? But, but the whole time this week, I kept shaking off this, go get that Sunday school lesson and look at that scripture. So during the night, I said, okay, Lord. During the night, I said, okay, Lord, I'm going to look at that scripture in the morning. So I got up, and I looked at that scripture, and praise God, the message just kind of fell in place. What most of us have, if we don't read God's Word, if we don't apply God's Word, if we don't teach God's Word, we got a heart problem. Well, I can't fix your heart problem. But I know somebody that can. And you do. So if me and you both are praying that God will fix our, your heart problem, it's going to happen, amen? It's going to happen. So God, give us the desires you gave it to Ezra to study the Word, to do the Word, to teach the Word. Then secondly, you're going to ask to ask God, okay, I've got the desire. We're living in a busy time. And and look, if you've got one kid or multiple kids, I don't understand how busy you are. But I know that we're busy. So you're going to have to ask God to give you the discipline by His grace to find the time and make it happen. Amen? That's discipline. And then the third thing that we want to pray for is, Oh God, that studying and doing and teaching your, your Word would, would become who we are and that we would delight in family home worship. I want to tell you, if your kids are less than 12 or 13, they're going to love it. Now, if they're rebellious, 12, 13-year-old teenagers, they're probably going to hate it. You know what that means? You waited too long. (laughs) Amen. But you know what? I'm not going to tell you to make them sit in it, sit through it. It don't matter whether you make them or not. As long as they're not back in their room on the Internet, that would probably be a good rule. I don't care whether you come to this Bible study or not. But the time we're doing Bible study, I got your phone. I got your computer. So at least they might get some exposure, amen? We'll, t- we'll cover that, that uh, you missed the opportunity. Don't whip yourself over that either. So pray for God to give you desire. Uh, it's, it's just like Jeannie yesterday. She had to do her first round of home exercises, right? Well, I can tell you I've been there, done that same exercises. They're not a lick of fun. But you know what? If you're going to get over a surgery, you've got to do what they tell you to do, right? That's discipline. So if God's giving you something to do, you're just going to have to get over the pain of it and absolutely do it. That's discipline, right? I promise you, one day, you'll say, God, thank you for making family worship a part of my life and thank you for the blessing it's been. So... I want to look at the who, what, when, where, why, and how family worship. In several texts, 
that, you've all, that you all know, that we've all looked at. We're not going to spend much time in it. And then I'm going to, I'm going to kind of lay out a way going forward that we might make our homes. What about this? What if our homes were a haven of truth and righteousness for our children's sake? Genesis 18, 19. You've seen it. Won't say much about it. We're talking about Abraham. We're talking about the father of the household. We're talking about what Abraham was to do. He was to command his children and his household to keep the way of the Lord. Why did, why did he give that to Abraham? So God could bless Abraham. If you want a blessing, just do what God gave you to do. Somebody say amen. So the scripture says, Genesis 18, 19, For I have chosen him that he may command his children and his household after him to keep the way of the Lord by doing righteousness, sound like Ezra, and justice so that the Lord may bring to Abraham what he has promised him. Blessings. Blessings. Deuteronomy 6, 4 through 9. The who are the people of Israel. The word, the law that I've commanded you. Teach them to your children. He says, when you lie down and when you get up. In other words, what we do in the house, relating to God's Word, listen, it's got to be systematic, it's got to be intentional, and we've got to be opportunist in when we do it. Come on now, somebody tell me that uh, you might not be in the grocery store and something comes up that as soon as you get in the car, you need to talk to your kids about what happened in the grocery store. Amen? Every opportunity, that's what this scripture says. Every opportunity. Is Jules the the youngest one in here this morning? How old is Jules? I think she's the youngest one in here. I want to tell you, Blake is going to blink his eyes about three times, and he's going to be walking that girl down the aisle and handing her off to some old boy. He only has a certain amount of time and so many opportunities to teach his daughter. Amen? Use every one of them. Deuteronomy 6, 4 through 9. We'll look at it together as you follow along. Hear, O Israel, the Lord our God, the Lord is one. You shall love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, and with all your might. I've confessed this before. As long as we are in this world and have any desires for any of the things in the world, we're not doing this command. But we're working on it, amen? All our hearts, all our souls, and all our minds. And these words that I command you today shall be on your heart. Where? That's where we need them written. Matter of fact, if we are a child of God, He's put His law in our minds and put them where else? If we are a child of God. That's the new covenant, amen? You shall teach them diligently to your children and shall talk of them when you sit in your house and when you walk by the way, when you lie down and when you rise. You shall bind them as a sign on your hand and they shall be as front between your eyes. You shall write them on the doorpost of your house and on your gates. Look, and in this time that that scripture was written, a mama and daddy were around their children 24-7 until they got up to that age to go to work. Y'all with me? So, I mean, they didn't at three years old send their kids off to daycare. 
They had them around the clock until they got old enough to get married or go to work. Most of us don't have that. So if this was good for the people of Israel in that agrarian economy, it's surely good for us that we've got to use every opportunity. Amen. Ephesians 6, 4, I preached on it. Fathers teach. They're to teach their children. Fathers are to teach the children. The head of the house is to teach the children. What are you to teach them? The discipline and instruction of the Lord. His commands, all His teaching in such a way that they're taught and not provoked. Listen, the way to teach it is not to be harsh, not to be at all, know-it-all, and don't talk about them doing something that you're not living out before them. Fathers, do not provoke your children to anger, but bring them up in the discipline and the instruction of the Lord. 2 Timothy 1.5 Who taught Timothy? Grandma and Mama, right? You know, we talked about this when I preached this message. Uh, Timothy had a daddy. Did you know we, we all got a daddy? And we didn't get to pick him. May be good, may not be good. Timothy had a daddy, but he was lost. He was a Greek. He was, he, he was not even a proselyte. He, he was not a follower of Jesus. So he couldn't do this, right? Well, that, there, there may be many situations that you're in that the daddy can't do it because he's not saved. So who did it? Mama and Grandma. Second Timothy 3, 14 through 17, one of my favorites. Timothy had been taught by his mother and grandmother. What had he been taught? The Word of God. All Scripture he had been taught. And not only had he been taught, but how well was he taught? Look what that Scripture says. Uh, it's, as a matter of fact, it's one of your answers in Genesis, memory verses. Okay? What you have been taught, and what's that next little phrase? And have become convinced of. Right? That's, what we, that's where we want our children to be. We want not only teach them, but we want to convince them that what we're teaching them is the truth. Is that what your scripture says? From childhood. Where? In the home. Because they knew the Word of God. And why do we do it? Because one day, not only have they become convinced of it as a child that it's the truth, but one day God's going to use this scripture to do what? Save their souls. Make them wise unto salvation. You know the scripture. But it's for you, continue what you've learned, Timothy, and have firmly believed, uh, the way I've got it memorized, become convinced of, knowing from whom you've learned it. Look, I am... I, I, I may love them. I may teach them in Sunday school. I was blessed over there this morning, uh, uh, an old gray-headed guy. And I'm, I'm trying to put, I was trying to put two more songs in our hymnal, and I was trying to get them in there where ancient words is a two-page song that the first part would be on the left and the second part would be on the right instead of on the back. And So I'm, I'm sitting over there trying to get that together, and five or six little old kids came sat down over there. 
I was so caught up in what I do and I couldn't even enjoy them coming and sitting down with me. I may love them. I may teach them when they're toddlers. Uh, I may preach hard in the pulpit. But listen to me. I don't have the influence on your children that you do. So use that influence in a productive... Wow. We're influencing them one way or the other. Either down the straight path, in the narrow path, or the path of destruction. Know that. How from childhood you've been acquainted with the sacred writings which are able to make you wise for salvation through faith in Christ Jesus. Uh, we can go to James 1.18. We can go to 2 Peter is it 3.19 or 3.21. That when you teach God the Scripture, here's kind of the promise. One of these days, that Scripture that you've taught them, God's going to put it on their heart and regenerate them through that Scripture, make them saved, born again. Is, would that be a great benefit of having taught your children the Scripture? Absolutely. So, how do we make this happen in the house? That's what we're talking about. Pray. That's rocket scientist stuff, huh? Pray that God would give us a desire, give us the discipline to do it, Make it to the light of our life. Oh God, give me the desire to lead and or to participate in family home worship. Now listen, I, 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 and I ought to. I ought to stay on, on the men all the time. But, but listen, ladies, if dad's trying, you be an encourager, not a water thrower, right? In other words, uh, don't, don't let him make a stab at it. And you take a five-gallon bucket of ice water and pour it on his head when he gets through and say, well, you could have. Amen? Be a willing participant. Who? Every believer should read the Word, study the Word, do the Word, and teach the Word. But particularly, dad and moms. You know... Look, if, if you're not reading the Bible and you're not praying, if you're not having what I would call a quiet time or a closet time, you need to start. And out of that, sometime during the week, you ought to find a nugget to give mom and the kids. Uh, that the last page of your program, right? Just, just flip over there. It's the inside cover. Okay, so that is my uh, Charles Spurgeon uh, devotional. Uh, morning and evening devotional, right? Now, any of you play Wordle? Um, okay, it's, it's an app. It's a word game. Five-letter five word. Yep, Angela. Okay, if you want to improve your uh, uh, Wordle uh, performance, read these old guys. They have a vocabulary, okay? So they'll, they'll help you with your Wordle game, okay? So you see that I've got it marked up there. You see, you see on the on both columns, I've got two thousand, I've got two zero and a, and a slash in two in fourteen. You see where I made a note that that spoke to me. Well, you see, I got one on there this morning. Amen. Okay. So, so uh, where was I going with that? Uh, yeah. Okay. So, so sometime during the week after I've read the word every day, right? Looked at my devotions. I ought to have something to share with Jeannie. Right? We're looking for a nugget. 
that might be beneficial to the children. So you've got to be a person who studies the Word, applies the Word, before you can teach it. Somebody say amen. So you know where you got to start if you're not a Bible reader, if you're not a person of prayer. So we'd go from dad and moms, individuals, to family groups living under the same roof. So family worship is where those under, living under the same roof, the same family group, come together sometime of the week to read God's Word, to pray, and to sing together. Tom did a great job with that. It's not, it's not complicated. So what? Bible reading, prayer, praise singing. Hymns are spiritual songs. I mean, just sing to the Lord. Tell him how much you love him, amen? So, what Jeannie and I do, now, I know a bunch of you, and, and listen, <laughs> it, I can't hear a lick, I can't sing a lick, and uh, sometimes the music is not at the tempo that Jeannie and I sing it at home, so I might be ahead of you or behind you, and all of a sudden I'll think, man, this, this don't sound right. Or the other thing, we're so spoiled by that, uh, that screen up there. You know, the next, the next verse is up there. Well, when you're looking in a songbook, right, you've got, you got to carry verse 2 to the second line in the third and fourth line on the deal. And if I get the least bit distracted, I don't know what verse I'm on. So all of a sudden, I'm singing verse 2 and you're singing verse 3. Listen, if Jeannie and I can sing, you can sing, Pablo. You can sing. All right, so here's what Jeannie and I do. We open with one of our hymns. We just, I, I said, Jeannie, can, I, asked, I asked her yesterday. I, I said, can, we went through the songbook. I said, can we sing all these songs? She said, we can sing them. It may not be pretty, but we can sing them. So what I'm telling you, it may not be pretty, but you can sing them. Now, why do we sing them here? So you can kind of know what... You know, when you start one out, you'll say, whew, that's not, that's, <laughs> that's not the beat, that's not the rhythm, that's not the tune we use at church. We'll just get to where you can sing it. So we open with a hymn. Right now, we're reading the daily Bible reading together. What have we had? We've had a song. We've had Bible reading. The next thing we do, and, and I've got it here for you, we pray every day through an eighth of the roster. It takes eight days for us to go through the roster. So on... Uh, one day I pray for the A's and the B's. The next day I pray for the C's, D's, and E's. Then I pray for the F's, okay? And you, you with me? So just, just read that little devotion in there. Do you not have something on your mind that you could pray about? Read that devotion. I mean, your preacher's in trouble. Brother Bob's had serious back surgery. The preacher's wife has her knee replaced. Your kids are out there. You've got something you could pray about. So we sing a song. We read scripture. We pray. And guess how we finish? We sing another song. Is that rocket scientist stuff? Listen, that works for us. Will it work for you? Probably would not without some little tweaking. Matter of fact, unless God changes your heart to do it, it ain't going to work. But if he changes your heart to do it, you are going to figure it out. (laughs) 
when? Whenever works best for individuals. Hey, look, if it's just you, if it's just you and it's pretty easy. If it's just Bruce and Jeannie, it's pretty easy. Well, let's take, uh, let's take Lewis and Laura in, uh, in a few years when Jade's a teenager. Still living under the same roof. The when, now for all of you, I, I guarantee you, you know what to do. The, the problem's going to be this. When. Because we're all busy. But we also all make time for what's important. Figure it out. Why? I'll spend a little time here, and then we'll move on just about through. But we're going to spend a little time on why. Okay, listen carefully. I'm, I'm going to move quickly. God commands it. Secondly, in our day and time, it even makes secular sense. Let me tell you this. Here's another question. Like I said, Tom picked a good day not to be here. I, 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 want, I, want, I want a show of hands, okay? This week, how many of you, if, if, if there's one of you, it might be easy. <laughs> that are, It's at least a couple, and also families. How many of those, just raise your hand, had at least just one meal... At the table this week. Just one meal at the table. Just one. Hold up your hand. I am out to fall over the floor. Matter of fact, my faith has been restored this week. I want to tell you, five months ago, if you'd told me that they were going to beat the alcohol in Pike County, I'd have said, no way. Hey, by six votes, praise the Lord, they push back against alcohol. Not only that, but 56% said we don't want people going down the street smoking marijuana on every corner, driving their car, and going to work smoking it. Praise the Lord. But guess what them evil people do? They keep bringing that stuff back, bringing that stuff back, and they just gain one at a time. They finally wear you out. But my faith is... My faith is restored. Listen, people who work with children will tell you that it is a great benefit. Forget Bible reading. Forget prayer. It's a great benefit for your children to sit down at the supper table every night and eat as a family. And it really is a benefit when you do spiritual. I'm so I'm so ashamed I underestimated you. That is great. I am so, so glad. Now, why? Are the times not evil? Whew. So, the time demands it. Our hands are forced. We, we are absolutely backed in a corner, and if our children are going to survive spiritually, we got to come out with fist up. Now, why is that the case? I want to tell you that. Our children and grandchildren are captives of the world and the prince of this world. Listen to me. 
If you don't believe me, read Ephesians chapter 1 and chapter 2. If you don't believe that, read chapter 8 of the book of John. Spiritually speaking, they have been taken captive by the world. Are y'all ready? In reality, our children have been taken captive by the world. And their eternities hang in the balance. The problem is that our children are growing up in an era worse than the Dark Ages. Now, Tom talked about it and did a great job. Had that not kind of clicked in your mind, the Dark Ages is not a period of time in which nobody had a mind and things weren't developing societal-wise. The Dark Ages was when nobody had the Word of God. Well, hey, our children are living in a time worse than the Dark Ages. Listen, it's not that we don't have the Word of God. The powers to be are ridiculing the Word of God. They are being told by teachers and college professors and others, shrinks and whatever the case, that this is a myth. It's a joke. So it's worse than the Dark Ages. Not only are they ignorant of the Bible, and being ignorant of the Bible is a disaster. They have been indoctrinated in public school, listen, including colleges that we pay to send them, to all those, we are sending them to people who, for the majority, in the education system, I'm thankful for Jimmy's, and I'm thankful for Idy's, and I'm thankful for, for Jennifer's, that they, they don't apply here. But most of the people in academia hate God. They want to restrict Him to the house of worship. To top that, when they're not in the school, amen, which is, they're there way too many hours. Now, I know it may be convenient for you that they're eight hours so you can go to work, but eight hours is too much time to give your kids to anybody. It gets worse. The rest of the day, they are spending hours on the internet being indoctrinated by the evil one. I don't have to tell you your kids are addicted to the internet. You are. We are. Some statistics that will absolutely make you vomit. 63% of Generation Z, there's not many of you in here, Paul. That's ages 18 to 29. Believe this. Abortion should be legal to the point of not giving care to an infant that survives abortion. Y'all know what I mean? 63% of this generation believes that if a baby is aborted and comes out alive, that that baby should receive no care. They are okay with an infant being put aside, allowed to die, It gets worse, y'all ready? And then they're okay 
for that little warm and limp body to be harvested, used as a commodity, and sold for profit. Montana, last Tuesday, became the last state to defeat the Born Alive Act. I didn't say California, New Hampshire, and New Jersey. I said the rural western state of Montana voted 53% something like that, to allow a baby born alive during abortion to be left alone to die. How in the world did we get there? Transing to the point of mutilation of the body. Same day, same morning, headlines. Montana defeats Born Alive Act. The next one was... Teen who has transitioned is suing doctors who he says now has done a terrible thing to his body. How in the world did we get there? This generation believes that a male at birth might really be a female. Many have embraced the theory that there's no absolute truth. Example, marriage can be between two men or two women. Listen, If it's not an absolute truth that a male born from the womb of their mama is a male, if that's not an absolute, and if marriage is not between a man and a woman, if that's not an absolute, the ones that have promoted that know that then there is no absolute truth at all. You with me? That's what they were after. They were after this, to be able to tell your children, this is not the truth. See how slick they are? The devil is slick in promoting his agenda. If sex is not determined at birth and marriage is not between a man and a woman, there is no absolute truth. Well, let me tell you. Sex is determined at birth, and marriage is between a man and a woman. Young people, that is the truth. And anything else is somebody's concocted opinion. Tell them to go get their book. When they come back with a book written in 1995, oh, I mean, go get your book. Go get the old book. So, if there's no absolute truth, therefore, truth is whatever 
those in control say it is. So guess who is the... When you get right down to the basic of it, guess who determines what truth? They do. The kids do. Whatever that... How in the world could you be a man this morning and tomorrow morning, I think I'm a woman. So tell me we ought not be teaching the Bible. So, you know what that means? Kids all, 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 and listen, if I'm the determiner of truth, right? Really, if, if I determine I'm male or I'm female, or there can be, uh, me and a, another guy can be married and that's a marriage. If I can determine that, right? Then I'm my, if I'm my own determiner of the truth, I'm my own God. That's where we're at. And if you're your own God, you don't need God. You don't need Christ. But I got a word for you. One of these days, there's the God of creation that's going to say, your time's up. Come on. So knowing that the times are more evil and dangerous than the dark ages calls for drastic and intentional action. And I was just thinking, you can't start too soon. If we don't take drastic and intentional action, we will be grossly negligent. And I didn't bring out the Samuel scripture. You remember Samuel? Uh, oh, I'm struggling now. Eli, who was the priest that burnt the uh, burnt the uh, strange fire? Zapped him. First Samuel eight thirteen. Somebody help me with that. Where's Jeannie? Huh? He had sons. Yeah. Who was it? Yeah. They burned strange fire. Well, but, but then there was another one's son that he didn't, that the father didn't punish the son. Okay. Eli. All right. Whose blood was Eli's, whose hands was Eli's blood on? The dad. You with me? So when you have the ability and don't to teach your children right or wrong, their blood's going to be on your hands. Won't spend a whole lot of time there. So what would this action look like? Churches must embrace, teach, promote the Bible as being God's Word and the infallible, absolute truth. Let me ask you, what has the Bible prophesied or said that has not proved true? That we would pray that God would set our hearts to study, do, and to teach His Word. Parents must take up their roles as a primary example in the home and teacher of God's Word to their children. So how? Every individual, every couple, every family has got to figure it out. It will include some things that we must do. It will include prayer and the reading of the Word. Listen, if you're not a prayer and you don't read God's Word, I doubt your salvation. You had to be a prayer, you had to be a prayer to get saved. 
You had to be sometime or the other interested in God's Word because He used that Word to save you. So now, if you claim yourself to be saved, you will be a person of prayer and of the Word. You're just carrying that forward to your family. It will include something that we do weekly. Now, I'm not saying you've got to do family home worship every, every, every day. But once during the week, weekly, you need to do family home worship. Singing, reading, studying, praying, singing. Jeannie and I can do it every day. You probably can't yet. Reading God's Word. Many will do this. Now, so, so you know these, all these people that stood up, they read the Bible one, th- one time through. They'll probably continue to do this as we move towards family home worship. They'll continue to do what they've been doing. But we want to add some things to it. So, there's a, y'all, I've got some statistics for them. Are these in your, in your notes? 1,189 chapters in the Bible. Is that your, in your notes? Yeah. 1,189 chapters in the Bible. If you read a chapter a day, five days a week, Y'all ready for this? In 14 years, you will have read the Bible through three times. So let's take that over to your family. Jules is three months old. If Blake or Brittany read her a chapter a day until she's 14 years and three months old, they will have read her the Bible completely through Three times. Somebody say, wow. Really? They're going to have that in their little minds. And God can put it on their heart when He gets ready to. Look, a chapter a day, five days a week. So what's that mean? Three days you didn't read. Friday and uh, Friday and Saturday, or Thursday and Friday and Saturday, you make up for it. That's reading God's Word, right? That's not family worship. That's just praying. Because when you read God's Word, you're going to have to pray. You're going to have to say some kind of little, little prayer. Prayer, just offer up a prayer for the day. What am I talking about? Well, you, you, uh, Idy knows what Yael's got going on this week. She knows whether he's got a test or not. She knows whether he's got a soccer game or not. She knows whether he's going to be gone somewhere or doing something. Just offer up a little prayer for your family, especially for your kids. And a weekly gathering. Now I'm talking about five days a week reading God's Word. At least once a week in a group setting, if there is a group. Now, you might be a single. Did you know that 20% of our church is made up of singles? 20% of our church is made up of singles. How do they carry this out? Well, one of two ways. They either sing, read, and pray, and sing alone, or they find somebody to do it with. Amen? Sing a song, read the Word, talk about the Word, pray. Pray especially. What's the Scripture say? Pray for the who? Saints, right here. This is our list of saints. You talk about a prayer asset. You won't leave anybody out if you work systematically through it. So, 48 days left in this year. 
over the next 48 days, the elders of this church are going to do all we can by prayer and helps position you to be successful in doing family home worship. We want you to be successful. The hearts and souls of our kids depend upon it. It's imperative that we be successful. And I pray that you would find it to be a great joy and a blessing in your life. You've been so patient. You've been so patient with me. You've been so patient with the church. And now our prayer is going to be that God would move our hearts to embrace the Word of God, to embrace prayer, to embrace singing as a family, worshiping as a family, that our kids might see us study it, do it, uh, and teach it, and to practice it in such a way that we're all edified. Let's pray together. Lord, we thank you for this day. I thank you for uh, the opportunity to preach on family worship again. I thank you, the Lord, for uh, Pablo being willing to, practice, uh, to preach on, on uh, home worship. I thank you, the Lord, for bringing Christian to us that he could teach us about home worship. I thank you for, uh, for Tom's message about historically uh, where uh, home worship fits in uh, in the Scripture and, and also in, in the Reformation and in church history. So I pray, dear Lord, that you would move us. You would set it up on our hearts to do family home worship. I thank you for the opportunity to be here. It's been a great day. It was a great morning of fellowship, a great morning of prayer. It's been a great morning of worship. And I thank you that you allowed me to preach God's Word. And I pray that now you do with it with, with me, with these people, with the ones that might hear it on sermon audio, exactly what you see fit to do. Lord, we thank you for the opportunity not only to assemble, to worship you in song, to worship you and honor you with the preaching and the hearing of God's Word, but we also get to worship you by, by giving, giving of what you've given us that it might go into a, a, a fund in which this church might advance your kingdom as you lead us to advance it. Lord, we thank you for the day. We thank you for Jesus, and it's in his precious and holy name that we pray. And all of God's people said, have a great afternoon.